This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. This is our final podcast episode of 2023. And as we come to the close of this year, I thought I would just pause and try to give us a bit of some uh, hope-filled reflections. And what I want to do is, in a way, kind of turn the bad news on its head just a little bit. I know that even for me, as I look out at the news headlines, at times I just get overwhelmed with the darkness of the world. You see not just rumors of wars, but real wars, violence. You'll see just rapid um, increases of wild political insanity on both the right and the left in the West. You see wild changes technologically. We read about AI, artificial intelligence, and about, you know, half the people working on it seem to think that we should be stopping <laughs> stopping it or regulating it strongly because of the existential threat it poses to humanity. On the other hand, you have companies shoving it forward at an increasingly rapid pace. I mean, there's just so many headlines out there that you just go, where in the world is this going to go? And at times, you can get overwhelmed and hopeless. It can lead you to a sense of, you know, almost despair. We just go, what in the world are we supposed to do here? But what I want to do is take three of, I'm just going to call them the really big headlines, the kind of thematic headlines from 2023 that on one hand could be the cause of overwhelmedness and despair. And I want to point out maybe something on the other side that is some light in the darkness. And I want to make a principal kind of main point in this final podcast of the year, which is John 1 tells us that when Jesus came into the world, he was the light that was the life of men. The light shines in the darkness, then darkness cannot overcome it. That That's not just a vague statement of hope. That is a real promise that for all of those who know Jesus in the ultimate sense— you know, you can say, we can go read the back of the book and we win. It's like watching something play out where there's high drama in the midst of the film, but you know the ending already. There's a there's always hope because of that ultimate end times hope of the return of Christ, of his glorious reign. But what I want to say is, even in the midst of the darkness right now, there are always glimmers of hope because Jesus he hasn't abandoned his world. And frankly, guys, the headlines that on one side seem to indicate everything is going wrong, if read another way, and I want to try to do that today, you can see some glimmers of incredible gospel movement in the middle of our world. They're just not the things that might make the normal news headline, or you might have to look a little more deeply inside of it. So I'm going to take three themes, and I'm going to try to show you the other side of some hopeful news that you can reflect on as you go over 2023. The themes are this. One is the rapid de-churching of America. The second is the strange new technological world in which we live. And the third is the political insanity we see on the West in, on, on both the right and the left. So let's just start with these supposedly hopeless themes, and I want to show you that underneath them, there actually might be a gospel hope that you can see. The first is what we could call the rapid de-churching of America. And this has actually been a sociological trend that dates back for decades in American life. And basically, what what you can summarize the grand de-churching as is over the course of 
you could go back, you know, probably 40 years-ish, we have seen a huge number of people who once attended church in America now leaving the church. The stats, if we look at particularly the um, the grand de-churching book that was recently written, the stats are going to say something like this, okay, that somewhere around 40 million adult Americans who used to go to church at least once a month are now attending church less than one time per year. So that shift in church attendance, that number is larger, for instance, than the number of the total conversions during the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. It's the largest and most comprehensive loss of church attendance in the life of America ever. Okay, so um, that 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 really does sound like a pretty hopeless uh, theme, doesn't it? Right, and that's one of the main, honestly, probably headlines in the church over twenty twenty three. But I I want to I want to just think about this. At one end, you go, oh no, this is terrible. But but here's the question: underneath it, you might ask the question, why have people left church? And Often, when you say that, I hear people say, well, they're sick of the, you know, terrible, uh, you know, scandals inside the church, or people have left church because they've entirely left the faith and they're rejecting Jesus. And the truth of it is, in the comprehensive studies that have come out, we're finding some actual, um, really unusual stats. Okay, let me just give you a few of them, all right? A few of them. People, uh, one of the misconceptions we have is that people have left the church primarily because they have negative thoughts of uh, about the church. You want to know the main reason people left the church when we study the data? Uh, the main reason, this is probably 50 to 75% of that total number, um, they actually did so because they moved, and they didn't start attending church when they went to a new town. Okay, so the ma- what that means is this is underneath the data. There's a huge number of people who've stopped attending church weekly. Yeah, but that's not because they're anti-church. That's just because they fell out of the habit of attending church. These people who are no longer attending church have a generally very positive view of Jesus. They have a very positive view of the church. In fact, the majority of them, when asked, said they would strongly consider attending church regularly again if they were simply asked to do so. They're highly willing to come back. They're just kind of waiting for a little invite. And so here's the hope on the other side of a bad news. I mean, here's the horrible headline. People are fleeing from the church in rapid numbers, but here's the incredible hope. They're wildly open to coming back, and frankly, they're very, um, very open to Jesus. This gives a great opportunity for churches. That's a great opportunity for you who are listening to this podcast. Maybe you have a new friend or a new neighbor who's moved into your neighborhood the truth of the matter is they're probably actually really open to an invitation to come with you to church. And let me give a little, even a bigger glimmer of hope. One of the things that you hear often is young people are leaving the church in rapid numbers. Okay, that is somewhat true. There is a stat that talks about about 70% of people who grow up inside of the church depart the faith in their kind of 18 to 25-year-old range. That is true at a certain level. However, there's an outlier to this, and this is going to sound a little weird, um, but the outlier is that actually people who attend a university, okay, um, education is an inverse 
correlation to de-churching. Or to put it more simply, the more educated you are, the more likely you are to stay in church, not to leave it. Remember, the misconception people have is that people are leaving church because they have grand intellectual problems with the faith. So if that logic were true, you'd expect, well, you go to college and you lose your faith. That's not actually why people are leaving church. People leave church because the habits of their life are out of order. Another, another way to say it is most people who leave church just got too busy because modern life has them packed too full. But the more educated you are, the more likely you are if you come to faith in Christ or revitalize your faith in Christ in your 18 to 25-year-old age, in your college age, you are vastly more likely to stay in church. That's a really interesting thing. So, that partly is one of the things we see happening in Salt Company. When we see university students come to faith or renew their faith, what we see is they become even more, more concretely tied to their faith. They keep growing. So, the de-churching movement is real, but these people aren't rejecting Jesus outright. There's an opportunity here. There's hope underneath the headline. Okay, second headline to unpack. The strange new world of technology. I mean, we've been living in it for a while. We live in the iPhone age, but now you can see how the rapid advances in technology are beginning to pile up. I mean, you have ChatGPT that you can download the app on your phone. And guys, I don't know if you have tested out this ChatGPT app. It is wild. The other day, I asked it to write a funny poem about a uh, period of time in American history. And in two seconds, I had a poem spit out that blew my mind and was historically accurate. Now, guys, look, ChatGPT, you're right. Sometimes it gives you phony information. It can be really weird at times. But, oh, my goodness, the ability of language learning artificial intelligence, that it's uh, pretty incredible. Machine learning capabilities are beginning already to revolutionize all sorts of industries where we have high amounts of data, from financial institutions to medical institutions. This is going to be a change, uh, perhaps on par with the advent of the internet, maybe even more significant. It will be something like what we saw with the advent of you know, the, the Industrial Revolution, only this time, the impact won't be to the working class, but to the white collar, uh, the, the data class. Now, it's going to generate all sorts of new jobs, all sorts of things, but boy, these, these rapid, it's, it feels so rapid, it's hard to even keep track. Let me just give an illustration. I was thinking about this in reference to Christmas shopping. How many of you listening to this podcast did a majority of your Christmas shopping online? I think the answer is like everyone, at least if we look at the data that tells us with where people are shopping. I mean, try walking your parents or your grandparents through how to print off, you know, a gift receipt. Uh, boy, oh boy. Look, guys, it can you can get overwhelmed, right? It feels like there's new technology that it's advancing every day. And that, frankly, we can't tell if it's totally good or totally bad. You know, our kids are on technology so much. Is it rotting their brains? What's going on? And all the headlines. There's so many negative headlines about the strange new world of technology. Let me give you a glimmer of hope on the other side of the headline. I don't know if you're familiar with a, uh, an outreach ministry called the Jesus Film. It was started by Campus Crusade uh, many years ago. In fact, if you look back at the history of Cornerstone Church, when Cornerstone Church was founded in 1994, 
One of the things that that core group founding the church did in the summer of 1994 is with some of the core team members of the church and core college students who were involved in Salt Company at the time, they traveled over to Albania in a big part of the missions trip, that uh, and the project they were on was to show the Jesus film throughout rural villages in Albania to get the gospel to these places where they had had little to no gospel access. And to do that at that point in time, Troy and others will tell stories of just arduous, horrible travel, you know, helicopter-type rides to isolated villages where there was just no other way, setting up, you know, a a projector screen type of setup so that people could watch the Jesus film. Okay, I want you to... This was one of the mind-bending things for me. Uh, This past year was I traveled throughout the Middle East and had the chance to, at one point, interact with a family of Syrian refugees. They were believers. They had come to faith um, out of a Muslim background. And as I was interacting with this family, I was at one point uh, sitting down laughing with a couple of the, the children of the family, two younger girls, and they proceeded to uh, pull a iPhone out of their pocket and show me their favorite funny videos off of YouTube. Now that was, <coughs> pardon me for the cough there, that was stunning to me for a bunch of different reasons. One, I realized I'm talking to a Syrian refugee family, and they have access to the internet at a high enough data rate and speed in this relatively remote area that they're watching YouTube videos. And the second thought I had is, oh my goodness, that means YouTube is corrupting everyone, which is probably somewhat true. But here's the other side to that. Remember the Jesus film I talked about? Remember, we used to have to, you know, fly helicopters into these rural places to distribute the gospel. You know what's happened with the Jesus film through YouTube? The Jesus film has been watched now by over 200 million men, women, and children who have indicated after watching the film that they came to know Christ. Think about that number. In the past year, people have watched the Jesus film, which goes through the life of Jesus. They tell the story of the Gospel of John. They tell the story of Jesus interacting with people. That film has been watched in over 2,000 languages last year. So if you think about it, you know, if you go back, gospel ministry has always moved forward alongside of technical innovation. You know, when you have technical innovations like Transworld Radio, that was, you know, way back in the day, the Jesus film, when it was done originally and then distributed, in, it, it was an incredible technological innovation. Well, this this gives gospel distribution vastly more access. YouTube may be distributing, you know, silly cat videos and ridiculous, you know, information all throughout the world, but also through technology and smartphones, we have seen more gospel distribution to more unreached areas of the globe than in any generation in the history of the world. Guys, the progress of the gospel globally is moving like wildfire. So, that I just want to point out that often in this strange new technological world where globalization is happening, with iPhones in the pocket, we don't know. There's so many bad headlines underneath it. Here's one incredible headline that we may miss. The global progress of the gospel is moving better, further, and faster than it ever has. So while the Western church, we see a grand de-churching in America, 
That is not the story of the global church. The global church everywhere, other than North America and Western Europe, is rapidly increasing. And part of the rapid increase of the gospel certainly is tied in to the distribution of the good news through technology. People can have a Bible app. Look sometime on your Bible app at how many different languages the Bible's translated into. It is astounding. Okay, artificial intelligence. Let me just throw this one out there. You know what's really good at? Machine learning is really good at language learning and translation. We used to have to distribute to get the Bible translated into languages. It could take decades because you'd have to have translators and all this. That machine learning tool is going to rapidly, rapidly enable us to get reliable translations of the Bible out to people in all sorts of languages that we never could have dreamed of. Friends, the gospel is going to move through some of these technological innovations. It's not just bad. There is hope underneath the headline. All right, third way. We've talked about the de-churching. We've talked about the strange new technological world, and now I want to talk a little bit about political insanity. I'm not making a statement about what my favorite political party is. I think every person in America, the one common element we have, no matter what political affiliation or party or bent that we look through, lens that we look through, the one thing I think everybody seems that they can agree on is that everyone hates what politics is like in America right now. It's insane. On the left, you have this rapid rise of identity politics that it is liberal in some senses, but illiberal in the historic senses that seems to be radically hostile to many Judeo-Christian values that seem to have permeated American life for decades. On the other hand, on the right, you have a rise toward authoritarian leadership, toward a sort of bullying attitude in politics, and a nationalist impulse that wants to close off the borders of America in ways that would seem almost unrecognizable to those who would have considered themselves political conservatives even a decade ago. There, it's just, it feels crazy on both sides right now, right? Hostile to Christianity and overtaken by identity politics on both the right and the left, and all sorts of craziness going on. I think even recently of the public hearings that happened at the U.S. Capitol where they invited uh, college presidents of some of the leading institutions in America to testify before Congress about what they were doing about the rise of anti-Semitism and hatred expressed toward uh, Jewish people on their college campuses and how in horror many Americans watched presidents of our, uh, some of our most you know, prestigious institutions seem to be unable to condemn calls for genocide on their own campus. It was horrific. It was nonsensical. It was the sort of thing that when you saw it playing out real and live and in person, you suddenly thought, this is what it means when Paul writes, professing to become wise, they've become fools. In Romans chapter 1, that there's a certain sort of insanity to unbelief. There's a certain sort of illogical nature to a rejection of the ways of the Creator that when they're seen in real time, people who have common sense knowledge of God go, oh, that's just wrong. So here's the hope underneath the headline. With the rise of political insanity on both the right and the left, what I am finding over and over and over again, especially among the next generation of college students who are interacting with Salt Company, is they know 
that the solutions that they're being given in a godless modern world do not make sense. I just taught on dating and marriage at Salt Company in Ames. And I talked to student after student and asked them, do you think it's better for you now in the modern world with online and dating and all the things on campus? Or do you think maybe your grandparents had more things figured out about how to date and marry? Over and over and over and over and over again, they go, oh, they had figured it out better um, in the past. What, what students are recognizing is that often in a modern world, they're not being given wisdom, they're being given intellectually complex nonsense. The way I've said it uh, to people recently is I'm convinced that what has happened is the devil has overplayed his hand. He has pushed forward ideas about gender and sexuality that are so obviously ridiculous that even normal people out there who don't know Christ go, this cannot be the way that this is supposed to go. And increasingly what I'm finding is because of the overreach of the political insanity, actually the beauty of steady, rich, gospel-centered, Bible-centered teaching, it, it looks even more beautiful against the backdrop of the cultural insanity where we live. I'm finding more and more and more people are saying, the solution the world is giving me is broken. There has to be a better way. And when they hear the good news of Jesus, when they hear the unbelievable way that God as our creator has ordered us to live and how his word articulates that, against the backdrop of political insanity, gospel Christianity just looks incredible. It's beautiful. It's good. That is an incredible opportunity for the church in the West. So it may be the headline is giving you a sense of hopelessness that, you know, the world is moving to liberalism. But I just want to say, friends, gospel Christianity is vibrant and healthy right now. Uh, People are more receptive to the gospel right now than I've ever seen in the lifetime of my ministry. Because people who think they have it all together aren't really open to a need for a Savior, to a need for Jesus to be King and Lord. But increasingly, as you take a look out there and you realize people know that things aren't working for them in the modern world, well, we're seeing an opportunity for gospel Christianity. Okay, so what's the point of this podcast? As we come to the end of 2023, I know there are headlines that lead you to think that it's a hopeless time. But I just want to point out there's actually hope underneath the headlines. There is incredible hope in the world where people are de-churching and running away from the church. Actually, many, many of those same people who've walked away from the church are wildly open if given a kind invitation to move toward Christ and Christianity again. In a strange new world of technological innovation that can be dizzying and out of control, underneath that, there is a global distribution of the gospel happening at a scale that is unprecedented in the history of the world. It is reshaping the global nature of Christianity as we speak. And in the middle of a world where there seems to be political division and an insanity on every side, actually in that world where the world is clearly not offering a compelling way to live, gospel Christianity is on the move in the next generation. There's something beautiful about Jesus against the backdrop of insanity. So, friends, this has always been the way of Jesus. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, advances a bit like a mustard seed. It starts very small. It's unseen. It's maybe underneath the headlines, but it's growing. 
we, we may see the power of Christianity and the reign of Christendom changing rapidly in the modern world, but gospel Christianity is alive, well, and thriving globally. John 1, 5 is not just right at the cosmic sense that one day the light will overcome the darkness, but right now in the world, underneath the headlines that may leave you hopeless, I just want you to know there's incredible hope. I've never been more hopeful, uh, more hopeful personally, for what I see the gospel doing locally in the lives of people here at Cornerstone, or as I look out for the next 10, 20 years of the North American church, gospel Christianity has an incredible chance to shine right now. If we as God's people will be beacons of light in the darkness, oh, there's an incredible chance to show Jesus to the world. So I pray for all of you as you come to the end of 2023 that you'd see little glimmers of hope, even against the backdrop of these crazy headlines, and that in every case, all throughout this year, you'd know the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it.